Renee, we are going to launch the best part of the night now. Okay. The okay. best part. Let's do this quick though because my legs are getting sore. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to take my time. No, I'm joking. If you guys can stand to your feet, stand to your feet. We are going to welcome quite possibly the most handsomest bloke in our youth ministry. Oh, I think that's debatable. Sorry, and I want to really encourage you, I want to encourage you to lean in. Lean in. We're talk we've been talking about builders all term mm. and I really want to encourage you. This is the next step. We're, we're going to go another level tonight and how you're yeah. going to build your world for Christ. So yeah. without further ado, can we welcome my personal friend, Pastor Matthew Hennigan. So good. Turn to your neighbor and say, so good. Turn to your second choice, say, oh yeah. High five your neighbor. Tell them they're beautiful. Tell them they're dazzling. They're glowing. They're glowing like the rooms. You guys can take your seat. Grab your seat. Grab your seat. We are all standing. Man, Ben, if you could stay up for just a moment. But how cool was that prophetic moment just then? Hey. Who loves it when Jesus just speaks to people, hey? Who loves when God just moves like that? You know, if, if maybe you're like, it's your first time here tonight and you're like, man, what the heck was that? I just want to let you know God is real. He speaks to us. He loves you and He knows everything about you too. And you might not know anything about God, but what you do need to know is this. He loves you so much and there is nothing you can do to separate yourself from Him. I'm so excited for what God's going to do tonight in this part of the night. But um, before we do that, why don't we just close our eyes all across this place? In fact, I'm so sorry. I know we've been standing, but can I just get everyone to stand on your feet one last time all across this place? And if you can, just lift up your hands all across this room. Maybe this is a new environment for you. I want to encourage you. Just give it a go. Forget about the person on your left and on your right. Just lift up your hands. We're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit just for a moment here. See, God is here. And some of you may have heard the, the prophecies given and the words like, man, that's so good for them, but I, I never get that. I never get God say anything. Does God even know that I exist? You know, in my time praying for our service tonight, it's actually really interesting. The, the, the thing I kept feeling to pray for is that people would feel known by God. And I kept feeling God just prompting on my heart to pray that, that, that the word would go out and it would completely identify where exactly people are. That it would be like, oh my gosh, that was written for me. Because the truth is, the Bible says that He knows the number of hairs on your head. See, you, you may never have been called out by someone on a platform. You may just be like, oh, I really wish God even knew I existed. Can I just tell you and encourage you right now? God knows everything there is to know about you. The greatest prophecy you could ever receive is simply this, that God knows you and He loves you right as you are in this moment. There is nothing you can do to make Him love you more. There's nothing you can do to make Him love you less. And so all across the place with hands just lifted, we just welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come? God, I ask that you administer. Lord, we, we don't just want a, a, a moment of a, of a message. We want an encounter with you in this place. 
Lord God, I just ask in Jesus' name, Lord God, that your presence would flood. Lord, that your presence would touch. Lord, right now, let a flow of prophecy come into this room, Father. I pray, Lord God, that every single person would leave this place tonight knowing that you know exactly where they're at. Lord God, you know how much money they have in their bank account. You know the situation at home with their mom. Lord God, you know the bullies at school. You know it all, Father God. And I just pray, let there be a revelation in this place right now that we are known and we are loved by you. Lord God, we don't just want to do the motions of a service. We want to know you, God. We want to love you. I, I, I know this wasn't planned, but can you just get hungry for God in this place, just in this moment? Let yourself get hungry for the presence of God. I tell you, Jesus is here right now. Jesus said in His Word, Jesus said in His Word that if you are, anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink and rivers of living water will flood his body. I want to tell you right now, if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling weary, come for a fresh drink right now. Jesus is here and I just believe He's refreshing people all across this place. If you're tired, if you're apathetic, lift your hands. Just begin to sing out to God in this place. Let, let, let a prayer just begin to rise. I believe there's a fresh drink for you right now. There's a refreshing in this moment. Come on, would you sing it out? Let it overflow. Stir a passion. Sing it out. Let God refresh you. Come on. There's no worship leader. You are the one leading this moment. We're going to sing that again. Stir a passion in my heart.
just let your mind be still before God right now. We get so busy with our tests and our apps and our friendships. Sometimes it's nice that the Bible says that when you pray, go into your room, shut the door. I believe that there are voices going on in your head, there are distractions in your mind. God is just saying, just shut the door to that right now. Shut the door to the distraction and just focus. It's just you and God in this place right now. Pray to your Father who sees in secret, and he who sees in secret will reward you. God, you are so good. We love you, God. Some of us, we, um, we think that we have to go and read the Word, or we've got to listen to a message because that's what we do. Or some of us, it's almost like we go to the Bible to get it done but Jesus says no I am the living word it's not about reading the Bible and just getting the job done Jesus even said you go to the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life but you don't realize that the scriptures are the one that point to me what you need the most what I need the most what we need the most is more of Jesus in our life some people go to the Word to do the discipline, but I can guarantee you if you just go to Jesus, He will always lead you to the Word because that's who He is. Lord God, I just pray as we come around this time of the Word, as, you're, as you even said in your Bible, Lord, that my Word is spirit and it is life. God, I'm asking, uh, asking sorry, for a quickening of our minds in this place to hear what you're saying. Lord God, I pray that this would not just be a message that I've crafted. Let it be a communication of your heart, Father God, to every single person in this place. In Jesus' name, we love you. And everyone said, let's give God a mighty clap of praise right now. Come on. Just lift it up right now. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Come on. Lift Jesus up right now. Would you praise Him just from the depth of your heart? Let it cost you something in this place. like the presence of God in this place. And maybe you're like, well, what is going on? God is here because He's real and He loves you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is just touching people and He loves you. We're actually going to go into a time of the Word. So just quietly, would you grab your seat right now? Don't, don't say hi to anyone next to you. I'd love to release the band to go. But I have a message that I feel God has put on my heart. And then we're going to get into a time of praying again. And hey, if you're unfamiliar with this environment, I really just want to encourage you, open up your heart. Because nothing I say can change your life, but one word from God will transform you like you cannot believe. And we don't need an encounter with performance or with man. We need an encounter with Jesus. He's real and He loves you. Amen? Amen? If you've got your Bible, would you go with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 15? We're going to read a bunch of Scripture today. And uh, it's going to be a great time. If I've never had the privilege of meeting you before, my name's Matt. I'm the youth pastor at our Myrie campus, and we're just so privileged that you're here. I'm so glad you decided to come along on Friday. You could do anything on a Friday night, but God knows 
the best place for you to be is right here in this room. You're not here by accident. You're here because God planned for you to be here. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, which means if you are here in this place, it's not by accident. It's by the intention and the purpose of God. And I believe that God wants to speak to you. He's got a message to get into your heart. And so I encourage you, even as we go through this message together, allow your heart to be open with the question, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Have that in your heart and in your mind. If you've got your Bible and you've got that on Luke 15, we're going to read this verse together. But if you're writing notes, could I just encourage you, if you don't write notes, it's always a good idea to write notes because paper never forgets or your iPhone's iCloud backup never forgets. I want to encourage you, get out your note uh, section of your phone or whatever that is and write this title right at the top of the page. This is what the word that I felt in my heart from the Holy Spirit for us as a youth ministry tonight. But simply this, a priority on the lost a priority on the lost. It says this in Luke chapter 15, verse number 11, Jesus is teaching the people. He's told them two stories, one of a sheep that ran away and the shepherd went and got it, one of a coin that got lost and the woman went and found it. And now to take the point fully home, he starts sharing the story with this group of people of a son that went away. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. Everyone say two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And so he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, took a long journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired out himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing. Everyone say longing longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. We're going to pause just there. But I really believe that this parable, and we're going to explore it together tonight as a youth ministry, I think it almost best communicates the heart of God for lost people. See, each one of us, no matter who you are, If you're 12 years old, if you're 24 years old, if you're black, if you're white, if you're a girl, if you're a guy, no matter who you are, there are people in your world who are lost. I'm going to say that again. There are people in your world who are lost. The reality is our temporal existence on earth isn't forever. Every single one of us is going to die at some point. Whether we like it or not, we are all going to die, but eternity is forever. And there is a heaven It is real. There is a hell and it exists. And God loves us as people so much that He doesn't want any single person in this whole world to perish. So much so that He sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to pay the price for the sin of all humanity for all time. And Jesus became a sacrifice for all of our sins. He died on a Roman cross, went through the most horrific crucifixion because that was the penalty that was due for your sin and for my sin. But Jesus didn't just die on a cross. He rose from the grave three days later, defeating over death, defeating over sin, defeating over the grave. And now there is free eternal life for anyone that would simply believe in Him. That's why the Bible says God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. That whoever, I want to encourage you, is for more people than who are in this room right now. God actually wants people to be saved, not just from the places that I go or where Lou or Sydney or people go. He actually wants people to be saved from your high school. 
I just want you to picture this with me. There are people that are in your classroom that you sat with this week that Jesus' desire is for them to encounter His love and His reality. In fact, the Bible says God is not willing that any would perish, but that every single person would come to repentance or come to saving knowledge in Him. Which means if there is anyone that you walk by or live near or come across in your world that doesn't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus, you can be confident God's will is for them to be saved too. God's will isn't just for the evangelists to save people or for the prophets to save people or for the leaders or for the pastors. No, God's will is for you and for me and for everyone who believes in Him to be someone that actually helps other people to believe in Him as well. That there are lost people in all of our world and the, the, the call isn't just for one, it's actually for each and every single one of us that God wants to use you, He wants to use your life, He wants to use your voice, He wants to use your gifting, your social media account, your friendships, the the platform that you have to reach lost people in your school. But this parable that we see that talks about a son that walked away, I think it really clearly illustrates how God's priority is actually not on those that already know Him. His priority is on lost people. I'll say that again. His priority isn't on those that already know Him. His priority is on lost people. Some of you might be like, what? But God loves me. We're going to explain all that in just a moment. Just pause that thought. But I just want you to picture with me what, what, what Jesus is really talking about in the Scripture. Because the Bible says there was a, a son that asked his father for his property or his share of the property. You're like, oh, what does that mean? Property is actually another word for inheritance. In other words, when this dad was going to die, when he was going to keel over and, th and that was his end and breathe his last, he had money saved up that he was going to give to his two sons. And that money or property, what he owned, his possessions, his wealth, that was going to be given to the older son and to the younger son as well. But when the son went and asked his father for his property, we don't realize this. What he was really asking is, hey, I would rather you die right now so I can get my share of the estate. This guy didn't, wasn't just like, oh yeah, could I have that $5 pocket money you said you're going to give me? No, he's saying, I actually would like you to die so I can take what is due me when you die and have it right now. And that's exactly what sin is. It's taking what doesn't belong to you in this moment right now and treating it like it belongs to you. And so what we, this guy does, he sins, he takes his property. But not only that, and think of this, I don't know if any of you in this place have an inheritance or maybe you, your, your parents have worked or things like that. He doesn't just get the money from his dad. The Bible says he spends it on reckless living. This guy is boozing it up, man. He, he, he's spending it on prostitutes. He's spending it on wild living. He's buying all the wrong stuff. He's doing all the wrong things. He's wasting this money. And it's not just he's wasting money. This is hard-earned money that this father has worked all his life to attain. We don't know what this father did for a job, but I could only imagine he was working hard, saving all this money in the bank, being like, man, when my kids are old, I don't want them to have to struggle. I want to be able to pay for the deposit for their house. I want to pay for their education. I want to bless their life. This father had his children in mind and he lived frugally so that this son could have an inheritance. But instead of looking after it and cherishing it, he takes that money and begins to spend it recklessly. And then all of a sudden, we drop into the story. On verse 14, it says, When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. He not only spent a little bit, he spent every penny that was due him. He wasted all of his dad's cash. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his field to feed pigs. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but we're like, oh, whatever, feeding pigs, it's not too bad. This was written to a Jewish people. And in that time, 
pigs were considered unclean animals. And so this wasn't just like a going to feed pigs. This was like the worst of the worst jobs. Imagine with me right now, just picture in your head, what could the worst possible job ever be? Just, just imagine it right now. What is, if there was a job that was so bad that no one would ever want to do it, what, what would that be? Have that in your mind. And on the count of three, I want you to yell it out at me. If it's got swearing in it, please don't yell it at me. Are you guys ready for this? Think of the worst job, and I want to just have you guys yell as many bad jobs right at me. Have a think. Check it with your neighbor right now. Get yourself ready. Whatever the worst job is, just think, think about Think about it. Oh, someone said youth pastor. We haven't even asked him yet. My goodness. Okay. The best job ever. I want you guys to yell out. One, two, three. Oh, a feces eater would be a terrible job. That is disgusting. I mean, we, we've got an idea, you know, of, of what bad jobs look like, what they feel like. I mean, we're, we're talking about feeding pigs. In our context, we're, we're looking at, you know, cleaning toilets. We're looking at, like, using your bare hands, getting inside that toilet, unclogging that big brown guy that's in there, putting him out. We're, we're, talking, about, we're, we're talking about doing the rubbish dump, you know, doing, doing the skip bin cleanup, except there's, you get to one and there's, like, some throw-up that's over the side. You use your bare hand. You've got to clean up over that throw And then they, they're like, these are some of the worst jobs in our society. We're talking about people that have to scavenge for, for you know, through trash and look through road verge collections for their property. We're talking about people that have to work in mechanical engineering, you know, just the worst of the worst. So I just had to have, <laughs> I, I love Aaron. Who loves mechanical engineers? Yeah, that's, a, that's about a right ratio there. <laughs> Apart from the last one, but think of this, this is the worst of the worst job. This is the situation that this son finds himself in. He spent it all, and he has this moment. We actually read in verse 17, it says this. When he came to himself, or when he came to his senses, it will be on the screen, verse number 17 of Luke chapter 15. When he came to himself, the next slide if that's okay. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise, I'll go to my father, I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. This is totally true. He spent it all. He's no longer worthy. And he arose and came to his father. But, everyone say, but. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. I just feel to pause right here and tell someone in this place, maybe you feel like you're that lost son right now. Maybe you feel like you're far away from God. Maybe you've ran away. Maybe you know you've been doing the wrong things. You've been meddling in the wrong stuff. You've been living the wrong lifestyle. And there's a party who's like, man, will God reject me? Can I even come back to God? Will God accept me as I am? Let this scripture here communicate to you. There is nothing that you can do to change his love for you. There is no extent that you can run away from him, that he won't want to run after you and actually throw his arms of love around you. Maybe you're like, man, what waits me? If I really give God a go, will I be accepted? Will I be loved? 
when you give God a go, He accepts you right as you are. He forgives all of your sin. He removes all of your shame. He loves you so much. If you are that lost son, if you're that prodigal, maybe you once believed, but you know you've been living the wrong life, I just want to encourage you. There is mercy for you here tonight. That God has not come to judge you. He's not come to condemn you. He's actually come to forgive you. He's come to heal you. He's come to save you. Because the Bible says the Son of Man came not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. The reason Jesus came wasn't to throw you into hell. The reason Jesus came was to love you right as you are and bring you into eternal life and salvation with Him. Can we give God a clap of praise for how good He is? And if that's you, at the end of this sermon, I actually want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus into your life. All it is is a simple prayer, but the consequences are eternal, they're very real, and it's the best decision that I ever made. And I don't want anyone in this place leaving this room tonight without accepting Jesus into his life, or at least having the opportunity to, because his love is so great. But how many of you have ever felt like the other son in this parable? Because we read here, In verse 25, just where we left off, his older son, everyone say older son. The older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes, doesn't even call him his own brother. When this son that you had, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And the father responds and said to him, Son, you're always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Have you ever felt like the older son? Like, let's just be real. Has anyone ever felt like the older son? Like, you, maybe you've had a relationship with God. Maybe you've been doing the right thing. Like, you've been coming to youth every Friday. You've been praying in the week. You've been prioritizing God. And then there's that friend at school that you know that swears so much, that's been doing the wrong thing, that's been sleeping around. And then they come to youth for the first time and it's like they have the biggest encounter with God in the whole world. And it's like, oh, that's, that's awesome. But God, what about, what, what, what about me? Has anyone ever felt like that before? Or, and, then, and then that friend gets saved and then like they're just so happy and high on life. And then they meet someone and that person's got like a broken arm and they just decide to pray for that person. Their arm gets instantly healed and they're like, oh my gosh, I've got the gift of healing. And you're like, yay, God, I want the gift of healing. And then like they, they have all these awesome things. This is exactly what the older son was experiencing. That the one that ran away, the one that did the wrong things, the one that like did all the bad stuff in this moment gets the favor and the blessing of God. And they're like, what? That's it. I might run away just so I can get your love. Who's ever had that thought before? It's like, I'm just going to go work on my testimony for a few years and come back when I'm done. And then I've got something to preach to young people about. I had that idea. It was the dumbest idea I've ever had in my whole life. You always come back and the story sucks. It's just like, I should have just stayed with Jesus the whole time. Anyway, that's a divergent, unlike the movie. Anyway, um, but there's this older son and he's annoyed, he's frustrated. And to be honest, rightfully so. The younger son has done all the wrong things. But there's a scripture here that I think 
communicate something to us about the heart of God. Verse 31, if we could put that up. This is what the father responded to the son. When the son said, uh, you never gave me this, you never did that, what about this? This is the father's response in Luke 15, verse 31. He said to him, son, you are always with me and all. Everyone say all. Say it with deep conviction, all. All that is mine is yours. Turn to the person next to you and say, all that is God's is yours. See, the the issue in this story, right, wasn't that God was kind and loving to one and really harsh and, and, and unforgiving and rude to another. It was actually one of them had a revelation of God's goodness and one of them had no idea who their father was. I feel to encourage someone in this place tonight where you're jealous of someone else's encounter. You're jealous of how God is moving in someone else's life. You're jealous of how God is uh, healing that person or touching that person. I have good news for you in this place tonight. It's simply this. All that is God's, it belongs to you too. If it belongs in the kingdom of heaven, you have access to it as well. The, young, the, the oldest son was like, I never got given a goat. I never got given this. I never got given that. You can almost hear the heart of the father. All that is mine is yours. Why did you not ask me? Why did you not go get the robe? It belonged to you the whole time. The ring was yours. The robe was yours. The fattened calf was yours because all that is mine belongs to you. The same love the father had on the son that was reckless, he had on the son who stayed. And for us in this room, I feel to encourage you, if you're not experiencing the reality of the love of God, or maybe you're not experiencing the things that God can do, and you're seeing it in someone's life, let someone else's life be a menu for you of what God can do in your life. I'm telling you this, if God will do it for one, He will do it for all. If God will call out Sydney in a crowd of 120 people, He will call out you too. If God will forgive the sins of one, He'll forgive you too. If God will heal someone, He'll heal you too. If God will use someone in signs, miracles, and wonders, He will use your life too. Because all that belongs to God, young person, belongs to you too. And so we see in the Scripture, it was not a love issue that was going on. The Father's love was not the question. It was actually the priority of the Father that was. See, the father loved both sons equally, but his priority was on the one. His love is the same for all. If you're writing notes, I want to encourage you to write this down. His love is the same for all, but his priority isn't the same for all. I'm going to say that again. His love, God's love, is the same for all, but his priority is not the same for all. If you catch this, it will change your life. Because the father loved both of these sons totally equally with the same heart. They were both his children. Both had the same share of property in the inheritance. Both had the same access to God. But his priority wasn't on both of them. His priority was on the one that is lost. And when you realize that your father God has not been withholding from you, that your father loves you so much that he would give you the fattened calf. He would give you the gift of healing. He would give you the, the revelation that you're seeking. He will give you the things that you're seeing in other people that you desire. When you realize the goodness of God to someone else is the goodness of God to you, it can help you understand, God, your love is so great for every single person, but I don't just want to know you. I want to be like you. God, you don't just love people, but you prioritize the person that is lost. You prioritize the one that is far away. You prioritize the one that is not close to you. I was with you the whole time, but you ran out, you threw the robe around, you put the ring on the finger, you killed the fattened calf for the one who was lost. 
God's priority, young person, old person, youth pastor, myself included, God's priority is actually not the same. It's for the lost in our world. Did you know this will change your life? The reason Jesus left you here after you accepted him was for other people to know him. Think about that for a second. The reason Jesus, I mean, if I was God and I, 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 I died for everyone and I rose again and, and heaven was real, and there, I, what I would do is I would be like, hey, as soon as they say that prayer, boom, I'm just going to take them, suck them up. And then people would just be like, oh my gosh, where do they go? Nobody knows. Don't do it, bro. Don't do it. And like salvation appeals would be crazy because people get saved. They disappear off the face of the earth and be like, what is going, could you imagine that? Could you imagine the conversations we'd have with your parents where it's like, who loved, who, who's accepted Jesus? Yeah, why don't you just go to that back room over there? It's like, what happens in the back room? No one ever sees them again. They just disappear off the face of the earth. And it's like, we don't even know. And like the only way you can be a youth pastor is to not be saved. Otherwise, you'd be in heaven as well. And so it's just like a real confusing church structure, if you ask me. I'm very glad God left it the way it was right now. But the reason, and I know I'm being silly, but the truth is the reason God left you behind is because there are lost people that you walk past that God wants to use you to reach. There are lost people that are such a priority for God that the Bible says He's waiting until the, everyone that possibly will will accept Him before Jesus comes back. You know, Jesus is coming back to this world. He didn't just die and rise again and go to heaven. No, He's coming back to establish His kingdom on earth. But the reason He's waiting is because He doesn't want that kingdom without you. He doesn't want that kingdom without Mrs. Smith. He doesn't want that kingdom without your football coach. He doesn't want that kingdom without your best friend, without your mom, without your dad, without the people in your world. Why? Because the lost in your world are the priority for our God. If, you're, if the worship team could come and join me on stage, that would be awesome. I'm just going to have a quick drink, sorry. I just want to share a quick story, and then we're going to pray and stuff, and it'll be good fun. Thanks for that one clap. Thank you, thank you, thanks. Oh, thank you, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I remember uh, la last year, actually no, this year, one of the years. Does anyone ever forget what year it is? Do you ever wake up and forget what day it is? And you're just like, do you ever wake up and forget where you are? Have you, ever, have you ever like slept at a friend's house and woken up and been like, am I kidnapped? <laughs> like where, the, has anyone ever, like just be totally honest right now, have you ever had it before, you've gone to bed in your room, somehow throughout the night your body has left the bed and gone to a different part of the room or maybe gone to the other side of the bed, woken up and been like, what room am I in? Has anyone ever experienced that before? Unbelievable. Anyway, one of the years in the previous past to this moment right now, I was going to get one of my favorite meals ever, Nando's barbecue chicken mixed with mild. I'm actually going to hot now, just a side note. We, we, hey, who's a hot lover right here for Nando's? Oh, man's not hot, but Nando's is, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, I was going and I was getting one of my favorite meals. It was after church. And man, who loves church right now? Come on, if you... If you don't go to a church, this is a good church. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a good church. 
I want to challenge you, come to this service. We do a 6 p.m. service every weekend. God will change your life. I love, seriously, I love church so much. I would die for the church, and I genuinely mean that. Not in like a weird terrorist way, but in just like, in a loving way, you know. I would die for the church. I'm going to go off that tangent right there. Follow me. We're at Nando's. Everyone say Nando's. Come on, Matt. You got like, this is the end of the sermon. We're just, the, the final leg of the race. Get there. And you know, after, after Sunday, I, I get the privilege to be at four services on a Sunday, uh, which is 10 hours and 35 minutes if you add it all up. Uh, and, and, and I tell you what, after four services, your body, one, one's body and their physical condition can be fatigued after that amount of time in the presence of God. And, and, and I love God, don't get me wrong. I love the presence of God. But after four services, man, my head is cooked. I am like on another planet. I have no idea what's going on. I've got like bloodshot eyes. People are like, are you high right now? And I'm like, there's no high like the most high, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, and I'm like, I'm like on another planet because I've just been, I've been in church all day. And I remember this one time after our fourth services, don't get me wrong, I love it. If there was a fifth service, I'd be at it too. And so I was there on a Sunday. Don't record that. Take that out of the recording right now. <laughs> just, but I, I actually probably would to be honest. Anyway, it was a Sunday night. There I am, bloodshot eyes, putting in the eye drops to look sober. I'm like finishing up. We're going over to Nando's and um, I get there and uh, there's this girl there and uh, I actually got to meet this girl once before. In fact, last year uh, I did this thing. The Lord, I felt, challenged my heart to believe for 100 miracles by the end of the year and uh, I would post each one of the miracles on Instagram and I just, it was a step of faith. Um, it, not really. It was actually a step of obedience. I guess prophet called me out in front of everyone. I was like, you better do something with social media. And I was like, okay, God, thank you. Anyway, and so I did this, this thing. And um, if you want to see them, they're on my Instagram page, at me, Matt Hennigan. And uh, feel free to actually do that anyway. Um, they're all on there. And I remember I met this girl and she, oh no, Pastor Rick's here. Is that Pastor Rick? Oh my gosh. <laughs> that legit, the way the hat was, I was like, he's seen me. I'm, I'm, I'm caught. Load me up for the 12 p.m. service. Thank you, Louisa. We could probably just go in circles and circles right now. Anyway, long story short. <laughs> have you ever struggled to tell a story? But no, no, I'll stop, I'll stop, I'll stop. I was, I'm sorry. I just need some encouragement. I'm so sorry. Thank you, thank you. All right. Jesus. Okay. I was there. Basically, what had happened, I asked her if she had a pain in her body, and she was like, yeah, I do my back sore. And I was like, awesome. Can I pray with you? She was like, yeah, cool. I took her hand. I prayed for her. And then she felt, she felt like... <laughs> She felt like there was tingles that went down her arm and stuff, and her back was instantly healed in that moment. And I was like, shaka pa sa, wow. That, no, not really. I was like, man, God is incredible. He loves people so much. He would use even a mess of a youth pastor like me to reach out to them with his love. And it, basically, this was like three or four months later, I bumped into this girl, and I was tired, man. I was like one of the last people to get there because Sydney just wouldn't leave church. And uh, we got to Nando's and uh, that was a joke. Anyway, we got to Nando's and there was like all my church friends were there sitting like ducks in a row, just piling all the tables together, having a great time. I can see them laughing like, man, I can't wait just to go chill, hang out with all my buddies. And I'm there and I'm the last person to order. And a part of my heart is, is really, it's just like, man, I just want to order my food, go and sit down and have a great time. But in this moment, I felt God kind of prompt to my heart to ask her about her back. 
And so I asked her again, I was like, hey, I know I prayed for you a while ago. It, how's your back going? Is it, do you have any pain? And she's like, it's actually been completely healed since that moment. I've never had pain since. And I'm like, wow, that's like a, wow, that's a miracle right there. That's incredible. And then I just felt the Holy Spirit prompt to my heart just to ask her, hey, do you know why God healed your back? And she was like, no. And I said, the Bible calls them signs and wonders. And, and a, a way a sign works is it points you to something. And this is a sign for you to point you to the reality that God wants a relationship with you. He loves you so much. He doesn't just want you to experience that. He actually wants you to have a connection and a friendship with God. And I explained very quickly that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, that you will be saved or you'll get that friendship with God. And then I just randomly, I don't often do this, but I just felt to do it and I should do it more really. I just asked her, would you like that relationship with God? And she was like, yeah, I would. And I was like, awesome. All you got to do is say a simple prayer and invite Jesus to come into your life. And she was like, okay. And I was like, we can pray right now if you like. If you want, I can wait till you finish your shift and pray then. And she was like, no, no, let's pray now. So I was like, okay, grab my hands. So we just prayed. Dear Jesus, I, like my eyes were open the whole time, just super casual, very normal. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I invite you into my life. I just led her through a very simple prayer. And then God came into that moment and absolutely transformed her life. And I always think, what would have happened to that girl if in that moment my priority wasn't on the one that was lost, but on the ones that were already found. I wonder, would she have accepted Jesus Christ? And I'm not saying this to pipe me up or make me look good, but I just wonder what would have happened to her if I was so focused on how I was feeling and what I desired that I wanted to hang out with my church friends, I want to do what I want to do. Would I have missed the opportunity to lead someone to the Lord? Why? Because my priority was wrong. And I feel like right there, that is a picture or an image of a lot of our lives in this place. That all of us, we, we have a Nando's cashier worker somewhere in our life standing right there. But we also have a bunch of friends in our lives that know God, that already experience Him where it's, it's not really a focus. And so often we gravitate towards those who already know God because we're comfortable, because it's fun, because it's enjoyable, and we forget about the one that doesn't yet know Him. I wonder in this place, who in your world, who in your high school, who in your family, who in your scope of influence would be impacted if you allowed your priority to change? If your priority changed from loving the church, the people, sorry, the people that are already saved onto looking for the one that was lost. I love this scripture here because the Bible says, while the son was a long way off, the father saw him. How did the father see him? The father has the house. Surely he was in the house. Surely he's got servants. We can picture that he's wealthy. Surely he's got things that he can do. The reason the father saw him, I believe, is because he took the time every day to stand up on the balcony and look. Because it says, while he was yet a long way off, the father saw him. It wasn't that one of the servants ran up and said, hey, look, your boy's coming back. No, no, the father was standing there waiting, looking, come on, where's my boy? Where's my son? 
Where is, I know he's got to come home. I love him so much. I know he's hurt me. I know he's done these wrong things, but where is he? I love him right now. Son, is that you? Day after day, night after night, year after year. We don't know how long the property lasted for the son to spend, but we knew that every day the father was there looking for the one that was lost. Why? Because though our father loves every single one of us the same, his priority is always on the one who is lost. God loves all of us in this room so much, but his priority are on those that aren't here tonight. His priority are on those in your world that don't yet know him. He is like the, the, the father in this story, looking, waiting, searching, where is that one who is lost? And I want to ask you this question tonight. What is your priority on? Ask yourself that very private internal question. What is your priority on? When you go to school on a Monday, is your priority on getting grades, on hanging with your crew? Or is it on being like that father, looking for that one who is lost? When you play your sport club, is, is, is your priority on winning the game? Or is your priority like the Father, like our God, on the one who is lost? I even feel to encourage us, and I hope this doesn't confront you, but loves you in this. But when you come to youth, what is your priority on? I'm not just speaking to Connect leaders right now, I'm speaking to every single one of us as students. When you come to youth ministry on a Friday night, who is your priority on? Do you meet a new person on a Friday and it's like, oh yeah, great to meet you. Go hang out with your crew until the night is done because that's who you're comfortable with because that's where you'd rather be. Or do you carry the heart of the Father that say, you know what, I know this is youth and I know that I've got friends here, but my priority, God, let it be your priority for my life. God, I know that I've got people around me, but let my priority be on those that are lost. Let my priority be on the one that doesn't know you yet. When you meet someone in hang time, the reason we have hang time at the start of the night isn't to just have fun. It's so that people that are lost can be connected to those that are found. It's so that not the leaders can connect. No, that you can reach out. You can meet someone. Maybe they're in a different year group. Maybe they look different to you. Maybe they smell different, but say, you know what? You need to know my Jesus. You don't know him. Let me stand by you tonight. I've got a seat for you inside. Come sit with me. Come hang with me. Get into my world. Why? Because our priority isn't on those that are found. Our priority is on the ones who are lost. Would you stand to your feet right now all across this place?